0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thrizer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello, welcome to session 180 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your day. So today's podcast episode is on a topic that I know intimidates a lot of us, which is keeping accurate records for our businesses. My guest today is Greg Higdon from Grow the Books, and we're talking all about the biggest bookkeeping records or bookkeeping mistakes that clinicians in private practice make. I know that this topic is one that can be intimidating, but my hope that is that with today's podcast episode, that it makes it a little bit more manageable and especially some of the more common mistakes that many of us make. For example, things like mixing business and personal bank accounts and why that's not a good idea and what's sort of the better way to do it and Even things like, you know, what if I go to the store and I have some personal expenses and then I have some business expenses? How do I sort of categorize that and how do I fulfill that transaction? So fun and interesting questions like that. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. It's uh, chock full of really good information. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and... I call him Dave, Dave, and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous s t c podcast guest, and honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know and with sponsors, you guys know i'm I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh the s t c audience with and Dave when uh we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people just I had zero doubt. And so, Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists. And his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that. And he comes from just a very hard centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The 7 Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Turning HQ, And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Greg Higdon from growthebooks.com. Hey, Greg, welcome to Selling the Couch.
1: Hey, Melvin, thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, so good to finally connect. I told you right before I get started, I'm a big fan of Kelly. Shout out to Kelly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Kelly got a double shout, shout out. I know. I was so excited um, when she reached out and then when you just shared about some of the things that you do, because I feel like the world of bookkeeping and just keeping records and that sort of aspect of, of the business, I, I know for me, it's really intimidating. And I know that For a lot of my colleagues, it's thought of bookkeeping. is just like, it's almost like I wish I could just be an ostrich and put my head in
1: the sand. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have plans like that. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to start at the top, which I'm glad you said that because well, what exactly is bookkeeping? Just so that we're all on the same page.
1: Yeah. So basically a bookkeeper keeps track of daily transactions in your business. Hmm. And I do that through bookkeeping software. That connects to your bank accounts and connects to PayPal or Stripe. And it kind of keeps track of each of your um, transactions you have. And then a bookkeeper goes in and categorizes all the transactions according to what type of expense they are. And if there's some sort of maybe it's owner's draw, you're taking money out of your business and just kind of organizes all that. And eventually what you're getting to by doing this is the financial statements like your profit and loss statement. Or your balance sheet or your cash flow. So you kind of know where your money is going in your business.
0: That's so interesting. So daily transactions, it could be like, for example, for, for clinicians, it could be the money that's generated through a client that you see, but it could also be related to like business expenses as well,
1: right? Oh, that's correct. Definitely. <laughs>
0: this is going to sound so silly, but I feel like something like this, for me, I know it's super cumbersome and super Time-consuming, and I'm not very good at it. I don't know. For me, it's like (laughs) degrading to hear there's actually someone that does this.
1: Yeah, there are people. Yeah, bookkeepers that really actually enjoy looking at people's numbers, you know, and figuring out like where your cash flow is going, and helping you to have more run a more efficient business
0: yeah and so and, it, and you're saying this, and I, and I just wanted to articulate it a little bit more. so you said part of the goal of this, I guess the big goal is you have, you're trying to figure out where cash flow is going, right and That's correct as a business owner, again, this might be a really silly question, but why is that important?
1: Yeah, you know, there's quite a few reasons, but I think most important reason is one, you want to stay in business. Mm-hmm. Right, you're not going into business to be out of business in within five years, which most businesses do because they don't understand their finances and they don't have control of their cash flow. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to know like how much money is going out for your expenses, how much money you have coming in, and then you also you want to categorize those. Okay, and one of the reasons for categorizing is IRS mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the year when you have to pay your taxes and you go see your accountant, they're going to ask you like where did you spend your money. You know, you need your expenses categorized. You need to know where your cash went and what money came into the business so that the accountant can file your taxes correctly.
0: It's a way of like giving almost like a big picture overview of where money is going, those kind of things. And, you know, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about one thing. Like, I could also see this like having good bookkeeping could also curb things like impulse buying, right? So, oh, definitely. uh, I've been guilty of this. I know that. I imagine if as you guys are like, you know, you go and like, look. let's say
1: it's, you know, Black Friday
0: or Cyber Monday, right? right. Oh, so-and-so has this online course on sale or the software is on sale.
1: <laughs> and so my clients yeah. have done that. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's something that, yeah, that, that's happened.
0: Right. So it's, and, and that happens. And so, so then the tendency might be like, oh, look at our bank account. Oh, look, I got money in there. Okay. So I'm good. But something like bookkeeping, this can give you a more accurate gauge of, you know, what does it actually make sense for me to be spending this money right now it 's almost like a more that 's right it, it counterbalances that emotional part of us that wants to make buying decisions
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> it 's so funny i I think this was elementary school i actually i think we used to have this in elementary school. we used to go to this it was like a i think it was day long maybe a couple of day long. It was called enterprise city and so it was basically this mock city that we w- we went to as a field trip, and then you had like little businesses, and within the business you had different roles. And I actually think I was a bookkeeper. for
1: <laughs> <laughs> Really, that's cool.
0: <laughs> but I don't even remember. Like yeah. I remember the term, but the way you explained it is the first time. It's like, oh wow, <laughs> this makes. sense. <laughs> I wanted to shift a little bit, which and get to the meat of this episode, which is really talking about some of the mistakes that that clinicians make, and what I, you know, when we were talking. I was like let's just break it. Let's just figure out like the top five ones and let's really dive deep into those. How does that sound?
1: Yeah, it sounds great.
0: Okay. So what would you say is like the first like common bookkeeping mistake that a clinician in private practice makes?
1: You know, I think, I mean, this is a business mistake and a bookkeeping mistake, I think, and is one mixing business and personal bank accounts. Hmm. That's the number one thing, I think, for um, most people, especially when you're starting out in your business, you're not sure if you're going to have enough income to support your business. So you, some business owners start using their, begin using their personal account to kind of fund their business.
0: So this might be, again, a, a silly question. I feel like I'm full of silly questions today. Oh, it's fine. For someone that's starting out like that, right, that maybe does not have clients coming in, right, It it is wise to have some, like a buffer, right?
1: Right. So that's correct.
0: What do you do in that scenario? Do you set up like a separate business account and then transfer some of your personal, like what's the better way to do it?
1: Yeah, definitely. So you would set up a business account and it's really, you know, nowadays it's kind of really easy to set up a business bank account. Hmm. It's not difficult to do at all. And so once you have your business bank account set up, and then you can just take some money out of your personal account and put that into your business and that's equity into your business. And so then you have like some, like a little bit of funding there for your business to get going.
0: Do you recommend doing that at like the same bank? Like should your personal and your business be the same bank or different banks or, or do you have a hard and fast rule on that?
1: It doesn't really matter so much to me, but I find that being at the same bank is a lot easier when you're transferring money. Because if it's at a different bank and you transfer money, it might take three to five days for that money to show up. But if it's at your bank, then it might be overnight or that same day. It just money just goes right into the account. So it seems like it, it seems like it moves a little faster with your own bank.
0: Okay. And I know that sometimes there's like transaction fees if you go from one bank to
1: another. Right. Sometimes right. there's that as well.
0: Yeah. So you can that's actually a great point. So So essentially then your recommendation in an ideal situation would be to have a personal bank account and then the business bank account, ideally in the same bank. That's right.
1: right. Yeah.
0: It is okay to take money from a personal, like to have some capital, but it's more, is it for record keeping purposes? Is it for tax purposes? Like what's the need to like have it separate like that?
1: Yeah, just yeah, separating your business and your personal bank accounts is really for the well, there's a couple things. One is for the IRS again, mm-hmm. because if you're constantly using your personal account for your business, the IRS might decide that you really don't have a business, so you can't be writing off those expenses. Or it can get a little messy if you go to, let's say you go to Target and try to buy some office supplies, but then you also add some personal items in there, and then you have things mixed up between business and personal. And to kind of keep track of those is is really kind of a little messy. Mm. So it's better if everything was just totally separate. That way, I mean, if there was, you know, if it did happen that you happen to get audited one day, then the IRS knows that, oh, this is the business account. All the money in the business account should be for business purposes.
0: Got it. So in that example of going to Target, should you have like two different transactions, like one using like a business card and the other, like a personal card, if you have situations Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Use two different transactions and then keep the receipt. You know, that's the other big thing is sometimes people don't keep receipts. It's fine to take a picture of the receipt, you know, but you should have some sort of copy of the receipt.
0: Yeah, I know for the tax like software that I use, like I just take a picture like on my phone and my gosh, that yeah. saves so much time.
1: That saves a lot of time. I do that now too. It's so it's so easy, you know, you go out to eat or something and you have a business meal there or something, and then you take a picture of the receipt, it's a lot easier than carrying it around, take it home and then put it in a shoebox or whatever people do nowadays. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to take a picture of it.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all categorized. So so the first one is mixing personal and business bank accounts. That's like a common mistake. So, and your suggestion is to then have two different accounts. And even in the day-to-day transactions, make sure right. that like if you're at a store, have it like two different transactions, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, what's like a second common mistake?
1: Yeah, I think after that, yeah, once you have the um, your business bank account, um, the second common mistake I th- would be just not looking at the numbers at all. And not looking at how your business is doing other than maybe just checking your bank account and see that you have money in it.
0: I see. Almost like, I don't know, and I I used that phrase earlier, like either just being an ostrich where you like stick your head in the sand. Right. That's like one end or like getting a false sense of, oh, I have such and such amount of money right in the bank. And so I can justify this cost, but we're not, you may not be thinking like that actually may be earmarked for like a future expense or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and I've talked to quite a few practitioners who do not look at their numbers until maybe the end of the year. Hmm. You know, just to organize it for taxes. Right. I've talked to practitioners who are just they're just very anxious around numbers, you know, and looking at any kind of finances. Right. And they don't want to deal with them. Sometimes they hire me to kind of get everything organized for them. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. How often, I guess, should we be looking at numbers if it's not every year? Not that I do that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um i i would say at least once a month Mm. at least once a month you should you should categorize all your transactions and uh, take a look at your financial statements right And and the big three financial statements are the balance sheet the profit and loss statement which is also called an income statement and then the cash flow
0: got it and break those like quickly break down those so the balance sheet what is that
1: Balance sheet kind of gives you a snapshot of where your business is at on a certain day. And in that, you can see your assets, the things that you own, your bank accounts, how much money is in there, your liabilities, maybe any kind of credit card payments, any credit cards you owe money to. And then also like any kind of like money you've like taken out of the business. Mm -hmm. You can see that on the balance sheet. The income statement or profit and loss statement, some people call it, kind of shows just where your income is coming from. And then also where your expenses are going. Do you look at your income and expenses and it shows if you're profitable? And then your cash flow just kind of shows kind of the the flow of cash, like your liabilities, what you're paying money to, and then also what money comes in.
0: Right. Greg, so this is sort of a, like an offshoot question, but I know that a lot of like clinicians struggle with this, which is the nature of a helping profession is that there are these ups and downs, right, to the business, right? So for example, during holiday season, it might be a little slower, a summer vacation, that kind of stuff, right? So with that in mind, how do you, like with the cash flow aspect, like how do you anticipate those ups and downs? Like, is it more that the longer you're in business, you kind of get into this ebb and flow? I don't know if that, that sort of makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. And really, that kind of leads us into number three, which is, you know, not looking at your financial statements, Mm. you know, because looking at your financial statements every month, you can see maybe trends in your business, maybe how much you can, you can see how much money you're able to save, maybe for an emergency fund, you can notice when your slow months are. But yeah, it does take a little time to figure out, especially something like slow months for many practitioners or slow months or maybe June and July. Hmm. And so you that kind of goes off of just trends and just tracking that information. And a lot of the, and that's information can be found on your financial statements.
0: Right. So I guess the other side of that is if you don't look at your financial statement, you can almost get to like a June and July and and then now you're panicking because you're trying to figure out like where do the clients go. So now it becomes both like this sort of financial struggle, but also right. becomes an emotional one, which I know that a lot of colleagues go through, which is, I should have never gotten into this. I should, yeah. you know, that kind of narrative. Right. Um, so, and then you recommend looking at financial statements every month. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You should be looking at those at least every month to see where your money's going and then how much money you have and then what kind of income you had that month. There might be a slower month mm-hmm. than you thought. You know, and then that kind of helps a lot with like knowing how much to pay yourself, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yes. You don't want to pay yourself more money than you make in a month typically. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Especially you don't want to like lose that buffer.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Um that makes a lot of sense. And I think again to like reemphasize that, I think especially in a helping profession where it is as like a service based field, that's really important because of right. that natural volatility that can come. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So again, just to review, number one is mixing personal and business bank accounts. Right. Number two is not looking at the numbers accurately. Number three is not looking at your financial statements. What about number four?
1: Yeah. Number four, I would say is just one, um, when you're making payments to yourself, make sure that it's an owner's draw. I know it sounds kind of a little technical. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah, that but, sounds really but, like
0: technical yeah. and kind of yes. what exactly is that?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I should back up a little bit there. One, You know, make sure you have bookkeeping software. (laughs) You know, it seems like many um, clinicians, at least that I talk to, they do have bookkeeping software, but they're just not keeping track of their numbers.
0: Right. Is there certain ones that you recommend? Like I use FreshBooks, but I know there's lots of other good ones. So is there one that you recommend?
1: I recommend QuickBooks Mm. online, not the desktop version, but QuickBooks online. And I am actually a QuickBooks certified user. I got certification through QuickBooks on that. And I would say about 70% of businesses use QuickBooks. It's been around the longest, I think, of any bookkeeping software, and they know what they're doing. Their customer service is excellent. Hmm. But there's other ones out there, like Zero. I think, is the next most popular one. Hmm. I have some people that ask me about Wave. Wave is like a free bookkeeping software. I'm not, you know, I don't really have much of an opinion on that right now. I've never really used that software, but I, I know some clinicians that use it because it's free.
0: So those are some good recommendations. So you said payments to yourself, owners draw, like what exactly is owners draw?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically when you're, you have money in your business. So after you pay out all your expenses, you have this extra money in your business that we we call equity. So it's money left over after you take your income, you subtract all your expenses from that liabilities. And then you um, have money in the business, and then when you take money out of the business, you classify that as an owner's draw. I've had some clinicians that you know, would say, oh, that's an expense you know, on the business when, I, when they pay themselves. But what that does is that underestimates your profit in the business. Oh, um, interesting.
0: So they're counting the amount they're paying themselves as a business
1: expense? Right, Exactly.
0: And and again, really silly question. Is it for tax purposes? Is that why they're doing it? Like to count as a write-off or what?
1: Yeah, that's what they're doing in their business, but that's not the way you're supposed to, you should be doing it. Interesting. Yeah. You shouldn't take your pay as an expense. Now there is sometimes, you know, the owner of the business might draw, have like a paycheck and that's fine. You can actually pay yourself a paycheck and you pay taxes on that money when you get your paycheck. But when you do like what's called an owner's draw, or you just take money out of the business for your personal needs, then that's actually considered an owner's draw, which actually just takes out of the equity account. And then you end up paying taxes on that money yourself at the, usually at the end of the year or quarterly sometimes.
0: And it sounds like, I guess doing that other thing of counting as expense, that's potential red flag, definite red flag. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Okay. And so, okay, that makes sense. So taking money out of the business and then Again, offshoot question, how often should you pay yourself? Like once a month, twice a month, every week?
1: You know, that's really up to you as a business owner how often you do that. I have some clients who pay themselves once a month, you know, on a set schedule, and then others who pay themselves like weekly. Hmm. So, it really depends on it depends on you and your expenses and you just have to think about your personal life and like what kind of how much money you need to be making to kind of support yourself. Right. And to pay your bills, you know, and so that'll really determine that, you know, but then also like when you receive payment, I mean, do you're, are you waiting for insurance to pay you, you know, in your business? And if you are, then you might, you know, wait till that comes in before you pay yourself.
0: Right. So there's a lot of these, I guess, X factors and unique circumstances that might be applicable to the clinician.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is why
0: having a bookkeeper is probably a good idea. (laughs) Well,
1: it's good. Yeah, it's good. Because, because I mean, uh, as you said earlier, I mean, sometimes, um, well, actually not everyone is good at numbers, right? There's people who actually like looking at the numbers, you know, and definitely if you're one of those people who are not good at numbers, you should be hiring a bookkeeper, someone who knows what to do with those numbers. And that'll help you really in the long run with your business of, you know, just knowing your cash flow and your business, and being able to help you with just staying in business.
0: Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what's the, the last tip that you have for us?
1: The last tip really is, you know, don't do it all on your own. You know, I think that's really a big one for most business owners is that you go into business and you think that, oh, I can do, you know, you try to do everything on your own. You don't want to pay anyone to do anything. You're trying to learn everything yourself, but it's really overwhelming to try to learn everything.
0: Hmm. And so like personal experience, I, what you just described is what I try to do with STC for Mm -hmm. the first couple of years. And it's, to your point, that's exactly what happened. I I realized I only had a finite amount of time and no matter how much I learned, like more than half of this stuff is constantly getting updated. Right. So I don't have the time to be able to like constantly learn and relearn and stay updated but I also learned a valuable lesson, which I haven't like. I'm I'm like slowly learning this, which is yeah. that as a business grows, right, the the smart business owner what they do is they they realize like time is their most valuable asset, right? And right, uh, exactly. Then they take a step back and they say, "What are I forgot where I heard this, but basically this idea of." Can somebody do what I'm doing at eight, at least 80% of the quality that I'm doing it currently? And if the answer is yes, then it might be something that's worth delegating out.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Totally. And, yeah, I done do that in my own business. I mean, I, I, I'm not good at everything. You know, sure, I can do the numbers. But there's other things that I have to hire like a business coach to help me with and get organized.
0: Yeah. And I think just from like, also like a self-care perspective, right? Right. We we all, it's not like we're building these businesses in vacuums, right? We are dealing with parents who are ill. We've got kids in daycare, like kids are sick, like all these other X factors, right? And time really is limited. And so what we have to do is we have to, it's almost like figure out what's, how much do you want to work in the business versus work on the business, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And where do you want to spend your time in your business?
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I think even this conversation, it's made me realize I I need to have a a better system and definitely need to consider hiring out because I like numbers. But the reality is just with everything in my own life, it's so hard to always do this on a schedule, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And uh, and so, what for me, at least, what happens is I like let a couple of months pass and I'm like, oh man, I got to do that. Right. Yeah. By then, it's like, it kind of feels like a, it turns into like a multiple hour chore almost sometimes. Yeah.
1: I think especially with numbers, you know, at least the clinicians I've talked to, you know, sometimes I have a consult with someone and they say, Oh, I'll I'll get to my numbers. They haven't done it all year, but they keep telling me they'll get to it. They'll get to it. You know, and sometimes, you know, they'll call me back and say, can you take care of this for me? (laughs) Because they realize (laughs) after, you know, after weeks and weeks go by and you still haven't done it, you realize that, Oh, I need to actually have someone do this for me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I also like, especially with numbers, one of the things I realized is if you have someone, like, it's like having a good accountant, right? So right. if you have a good accountant and you pay them, usually they can find things where that can actually save you money, right? So that the right, money yeah, exactly. that you pay them is negligible. It's like, you know, it's such a small amount compared to like all the savings you might have. So, yeah. Same thing for bookkeeping. Totally. Same thing. <laughs> Greg. Thank you so much for doing this. I know this is like such a wealth of information. You provide some wonderful services to clinicians. I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about it and where we can learn more about it.
1: Yeah. So my website is growthebooks.com and I do offer a free consult. And the few, the services that I offer are one yearly cleanup. You know, if if you haven't done your books all year and you need someone to go in and clean them up for you for the entire year, then I definitely do that. I also do a review. If you, maybe you've done your books all year, but then you, you're not quite real, you're not confident that you categorize things correctly and your books are correct. I'll also go in and review that for you if you would like. And then I offer payroll services and then also a monthly package where I'll just take care of your books every month. And I'll categorize all your transactions, reconcile your accounts to make sure your bank accounts match up with your bookkeeping software, and then also have a quarterly meeting with you to look over your financial statements.
0: Perfect. Greg, I'm so grateful you provide this service because I know that a lot of us struggle with this and you are passionate about numbers. And yeah, so I am. Glad. I love
1: numbers. I always have. <laughs> Thank yeah. you
0: again for doing this, Greg.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. No problem.
0: It. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. Hey there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Greg and I hope that especially if the thought of keeping accurate records for your business, if it's been intimidating or it's something that you've put off, I hope that today's podcast session has been hopeful and encouraging for you. Uh, With some of these topics, especially ones that I know can be a little bit more emotionally triggering, I hope that this episode especially, I, I hope that it was more helpful than, you know, kind of made things more distressing for you. Greg mentioned a number of resources and you can find that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash 180. And again, Greg's website is at growthebooks.com. I was thinking a lot about this session and some of the things that I took away and One of the things that I, well, a couple of things. One is the importance of not mixing personal with business accounts. I know that it sounds like common sense, but I can't tell you the amount of clinicians and that do struggle with this, especially when we're first starting out, right? Because it's this sort of fear of like, Oh, am I ready to fully jump in? What if, you know, what if I don't make money and all those kind of things? And that suggestion with Greg of just creating a business account and then also having your personal account, but then using some of your personal money into that, taking putting that into your business account, that's a a way to do it, right? That's also then it shows up in terms of tax purposes, record keeping and all of that stuff instead of just having it all under your personal account. The other thing that I really took away was just for me that I need to do a better job of looking at my own financial statements and and I know for me, what usually happens is I have this moment of panic, and so that usually leads me to not actually look at them. But at some point, what I realized is if I want the business to continue to grow, I need to not always make emotional decisions, but I need to continue to look at things objectively and see whether certain financial decisions, they make sense based on the numbers versus just me thinking that, that they make sense. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So, Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and of an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this Seven Financial Mistakes That Therapists Make. It's a free downloadable, and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of, your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you next time.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.